Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 82. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? Good morning. I'm doing uh, pretty good today, even though Arun thinks I look a little sad, which I didn't know why. Well, you did right when right when the video <laughs> turned on, but you're looking better now. It's just uh, yeah, me. I, was like, I, was... I brightened your day. Uh, maybe that's what it was, even yeah. though I didn't know it was dim. And then we <laughs> now have the responsibility of brightening the days of all of our listeners, no matter how dim or not dim they might be. What do you say to that? I think yeah, I'm I mean, excited. Yeah, I, I hope I bring somebody's day up. Yeah, I think today I'm sure is, I'll say something ridiculous soon. Today, today's <laughs> podcast is is a spirited discussion and lighthearted and not not tragic in any way. So I think we'll have fun. I mean, we could make this tragic. So before it gets tragic, and as long as you're <laughs> continuing to enjoy the show, I have a reminder for you, listeners. Please share the show. Please share this show with people in your gym, your car club, your work. Get it out there. Get the name out there, the We Are Driven podcast, because every new listener is a chance for us to transform somebody else's life into the driven mindset and for them to live a more productive and happier, fulfilled life in society, pursuing excellence and passion with everything they do. So we thank you for every share and every referral and review and everything that boosts our numbers so that we can make the world a better place. Dan, do you have a fun fact for us today? Um, I don't know if it's really a fun fact, but it's more of a news discussion. Uh, those, have you, those are okay. Yeah. Ha- have you seen what's been going on with Volkswagen this week? And the stuff I've been that they've driving been a Volkswagen this week. That's about it. Um, so apparently they are planning to cut like a bunch of like employees from like factory workers to like executives. And the reasoning behind it is, is that they feel that Volkswagen is no longer competitive in the automotive space, which is super strange. What, what other space are they in? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Well, the thing is like Volkswagen auto group is huge. Yeah. They, like, they are the automotive space. Right. So, but they're saying Volkswagen as the brand, not the group. Okay. I, um, well, I would kind of agree with that. I mean, they have all the new ID electric vehicles. Yeah. What it, else do they the, make? Well, they make the Atlas. They've got oh, the Tiguan. Touareg. No, the Touareg. Both yeah. the ones I just named, they don't make anymore. The, the, the <laughs> Golf. Um. Ugh. I don't know. I see Volkswagens everywhere here. Um, it's pretty okay. popular in Omaha. Uh, They're not very that, popular around here, actually. I could see why. Because it's kind of like... In the space here, it's like the cheap man's Audi. Like, you can yeah, get them for a fraction of the cost. That is what it is. So. Yeah. I mean, I tell everyone that my car is a glorified Passat, so... Uh, my car is a Passat with glory. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, so I'm, I'm very proud of that car. But uh, yeah, no, I just thought it was kind of weird. A lot of people are saying that this is just a money grab for them. They're just trying to reduce costs, costs uh, on headcounts. Um, I don't know. I, 
I personally like Volkswagen in the way that their cars look. I'm a little surprised to hear that they think that they're not competitive. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're not. I, it's hard to say for me seeing them all the time. Fair enough. But, well. but uh, I think uh, as a Volkswagen auto group, uh, I, I think it's probably their shift to all electric by like 2026. But everybody is failing at that. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, G- <laughs> GM is like, I, we can't do it now. Right. So it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because it, it's very clear, and this is going in a different direction now, but that uh, electric electrification, oh my God, Whoa. I can't speak it. Whoa. Yeah, EVs, <laughs> uh, they just don't seem to be grasping at the moment, which is yep. really interesting. Like yep. it's they've slowed. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to wonder if uh, if that market has finally realized it's a no go. I have one more uh, interesting fact to add to this discussion. So, in ten minutes from now, when we're recording this at noon Eastern on November thirtieth, the Cybertruck launch is happening. Oh, yes, it is. However, apparently, I read in a, my Wall Street news this morning that Elon Musk on his last Tesla earnings call talked about the fact that the Cybertruck is a big loser for them already, obviously, because oh, of yeah. how much they've invested into the development without selling a single one. But he further said, well, so first of all, he somehow said that it will be profitable within 18 months, which... I don't know what kind of math you're doing to say that it's only going to take 18 months when it's been in development for, I don't know, a decade, th- probably. Yeah, because they started taking pre-orders in like 20... 2019. Yeah, 18, 19, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so, so that is interesting to think they will be profitable in that amount of time. But further, he says that they will be profitable in that amount of time selling 250,000 units a year, which is not that big of a number to be selling. Not compared to like F-150, no. Correct. Correct. And I'm going to keep saying the word further, so I'm going to stop now. But in addition to that, they are very expensive. I think Given everything I've seen about the materials that it's made out of the manufacturing process, this is going to be at least 150000 to start with. Uh, yeah. I mean, the R1T from Rivian is a $100,000 truck. Like, and it doesn't have bulletproof. It doesn't have glass. these options. Yeah. yeah. No. I, it, like, dude, I honestly can't believe that the Cybertruck's even road legal. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to destroy anything that it hits. Yeah, I'm very surprised. I I don't know if it's gone through. Well, I think it has gone through crash testing. Yeah, it would have to be. To be be sold to mass market and to be registered on a roadway, it'd have to be. I'm just shocked it is legal. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, 21st century problems. I don't know enough about (laughs) it, but it's definitely uh, a head scratcher for me. Yeah. All right. But so, yes, I, I, I believe the EV market is 
fully I think saturated. It's... Everybody that wanted one has one now, and nobody else wants one. Yeah, and, and I, those I, who those who have them are realizing they're not everything they thought they would be. <laughs> right, and and it's definitely leeching off of all of the major manufacturers now. Yes, indeed, and and yeah, that you know we are we meaning my wife and I are one of those people that you know I thought it was just. I don't, I don't want one, even if it might be a viable powertrain option, because I think they have no soul. But also, they're not saving us any money on gas, because our utility bill is up so much. And yeah. I'll talk about that over and over and over again, so people realize <laughs> the realities of... Especially in California, where you know they, they make it... They're almost going to make it a requirement to have an electric vehicle. All this is going to do is drive... You know your electric bills up because demand's up, and when I'm I'm curious to see when we will start having you know just straight up house vacancies because there's nobody who wants to live here anymore. But that's a separate (laughs) problem. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if for me, I would drive an electric car if it just meant driving around town, like going going to and from work, going to get groceries. Like, sure, why not? Yep. But wouldn't take it on a road trip. And if you can't get that release of something soulful. Every once in a while, you'd go crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. Just kill a part of us, for yeah. sure. All right. Yep. So with that, I want to update the listeners on the last auctions that we appraised, and then we'll get on to this week's auctions. I've actually got a pretty short-timed one for Dan, accidentally, but I like the car, so I want to give it to him. Dang uh, it. So last week, I got a Mazda Protégé with 26,000 miles on it, <laughs> but it was kind of rusty. And the bid at the time was like four grand. I said it would get up to five. Didn't quite make it there. 47.50 was the ending bid. And so I was 5% off. Dan thought that the Ferrari 308 that I gave him was going to go for 62,500. I got murdered. Yeah. That didn't straight, go for you. Straight murdered on this so, one, guys. <laughs> So $88,308 was the was the actual winning bid for 29% difference. However, yeah. that said, Dan, you're still in the lead by 1%. On this I, I'm, I'm unbelievably shocked. And if Arun puts our little first, you know, pleasantries recording in this, you'll hear me going on a rant about, <laughs> like, <laughs> why I'm upset that this was so off. You know, a 34-year, you know, owned... 80 yeah 1985 went for 69 67 for an 85 but black 78 went for 65 uh 84 went for 63 78 65 81 64 77 for 50 81 for 46 and and these are all from July till like almost recent, and and then another eighty five that went for seventy six. There's been a ton of them, so I was like, what? Like, what? so I was like, what the fuck? And like, and if you look, like, if you look from twenty seventeen, or I'm sorry, twenty sixteen to now, they all fall within that fifty to sixty range. Almost all of them. You have your outliers that are you know closer to hundred or higher, or lower because they're parts not actual cars but like it's like really guys because the what i was reading did not correlate to what the price ended up being right 
He's very All grumpy right. about it. <laughs> well, let's see. You have a chance at redemption here. So let's see what you can do. Okay. I have for you something that is really cool. It okay. is really cool, objectively. It's a 1998 Mercedes G320. It's a classic G-Wagon. Yeah. It has 130,000 kilometers on it. It has a 3.2 liter V6, five-speed automatic. It has every single locking differential you could possibly want. And it's been built up really, really nicely. It has these really cool bumpers. Um, It's black and white. It's kind of panda spec. And the wheels are huge and really nice. And the tires are all chunky on it. Clean Carfax. No what accidents. year was this again? 98. 1998. And the interior actually almost could pass for like a 2006 there G-Wagon. You know, God, like it looks... thing is hot. I know. <laughs> White too? Oh, panda spec, like I said, and it's black oh. interior. The rear cargo area has four additional jump seats in it. In case you want to bring all your friends, all all of your friends, like freaking a bunch of them. I would not <laughs> want to use this for what it's built for because it's so clean. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I, oh, I wouldn't want to drive it here, like in the winter. Yeah. Like that, this thing is beautiful. I would not want to use this as intended. I like the, I, I, okay, well, I said I like, but now I'm looking at it closer. I don't like the remote mounted fog lights, like on the bumper instead of in the bumper. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It looks like it's crying. Why are you crying, G Wagon? You <laughs> have a happy life ahead of you. <laughs> don't cry. <laughs> yeah. No, I say I wouldn't want to use this as intended, but I would use it as, in, as intended. <laughs> just because the capability must it it would hurt my soul but yeah Yeah. oh this this thing is sweet (laughs) that's a cool one for sure um hmm what do you think it's gonna do is that 54 or 5 hours ago um 54 62 did it go up oh yeah the i was on a different page it said 54 oh must have opened there <laughs> um hmm i don't know this one's tough uh cuz it's not like it's a uh an everyday seller because <laughs> you're trying to look up every comp that you can find. <laughs> so there's a Mercedes shop in the Bay Area that has a lot of these. They're not this nice. Then they park them on the street and they get flat tires and just look abandoned on the road. But yeah, he has a lot of them. And they used to be called, I'm going to butcher this, but like a Gefelta wagon or something like that. Oh, like okay. The the G in G wagon actually stands for some German For something, word. yeah. Just call it the German wagon, I guess. Oh, man, yeah, this is weird because if you like, you look at the comps, like they're <laughs> they're they're anywhere from like twenty five <laughs> to. So what is what is your Cabriolet's going for three hundred fifty grand? Oh my god! All right, yeah. I, why would you want the convertible? 
I, it must be, it, it must be special uh, of, to some degree. With this one already being at 60, a plus 60, um, fuck it, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. Let's do, uh, let's do 75. Dun, dun, dun. There, you can see, if you look at the bidding history, there's... One guy who clearly wants this thing badly because yeah, because he jumped ten. Every oh. time he gets outbid, he says like, "Screw you! I'm going way up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with five hours, this thing's gonna pop off with like two left. Someone want go this. This thing it, that's a perfect yeah. spec. It's a little like, high miles. That's the other thing. I don't think it matters on a high vehicle kilometers. like this. Yeah, fair enough. But that's All a right. perfect spec. What am I? I'm I'm eager to hear what you have for me. You know, I had a really hard time picking something today. Like, I just I didn't. This is why you're sad. uh, Yeah, because I just was like doom scrolling through it. Um, there's an 89 mile C4 Corvette. I yeah, I did see that, but I didn't pick it. Um, I also short timed you. All right. Uh, this one's got uh, just under four hours. Okay. Uh, it's also an off-roader. Okay. <laughs> it's a 1995 Mitsubishi. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this. <laughs> Pajero? P- oh, Pajero? Yeah. Mini VR2. 4 by 4 Why uh, have you given me another stupid little car? <laughs> I like this thing. This thing this thing is five grand. I should bet on it. I kind of like it. You're giving me all these Japan import mini, mini miniature things. It, they're, they're just cool. And, and I just know you can't drive them. <laughs> it's So I like the normal Pajero. Pajero. That's what I'm going with. Pajero, Pajero, Pajero. It's also rusty. Yeah, it's green. Um, it's right-hand drive. It's so it's green on top, silver in the rockers. Uh, silver, silver wheels. The, the the seats are like, um, man, how do you describe this? They they are like blue stripes on the side and some sort of strange print down the center, and oh, a leather seats, headrest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the leather headrest. That's kind of weird. That, yeah, that's, that throws you off a little bit. Oh, a little. <laughs> uh, it is right-hand drive. Um, I would rock the crap out of this thing. Okay. Um, it's definitely a little rusty. Uh, and, uh, it's got a 75,000 miles shown on it and it's a turbocharged 659 CC inline four. So uh, has a CC on it is just sad. And it's a five speed manual, but I bet it's fun. I bet it's fun. So I'm looking at comps for this one. Current bid is uh, fifty one eighty seven. There are there are just a couple of comps, and one of them no sale at six nine six nine. Yeah, and just just for the record, this thing hasn't had a bid uh, today. Oof. Yeah. So All it right. could I could be screwing myself on this one, but I thought it was a funny car. I am going to say it looks like this auction is kind of dead. That's honestly my opinion on it here. Like, and it, and it is in no reserve too. I have to be careful because it's such a small dollar a small number. Yeah, if you're <laughs> off by a thousand dollars, you know you're that's screwed. Twenty yeah. percent at this rate. So, 
It's a weird one. It's a weird one. I'm going to go with... Dun, dun, dun. Uh, six. Six grand. Six grand. Okay. Yeah. All right. For the record, it's at 5,200 right now. Just under 5,200. Some weird number. 5,187. Oh, my... Jesus, I just scrolled past, past something I should have picked. I didn't see it until just now. <laughs> what is it? We can give a bonus one to the listeners. <laughs> it's, it's a 1990 Toyota Crown. Oh, Mi- I saw this Miyagata hearse. Miyagata, the, yeah. This <laughs> thing is wild. Haven't you? We've seen a few of these, haven't we? I don't think I've seen one as wild as the wood that's on this I like this the thing. wood. Yeah, but I like the gold one more. Like, did you see that gold one that went through on Cars and Bids? Yes. Like a month ago, that thing was freaking insane. And it comes with the coffin and everything. Does it come with the body? Uh, no. I thought no we bodies. said we were not going to make this episode dark. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, I was really, uh, really torn between the car I gave you and uh, the plaid roadster or race car whatever the heck you want to call them plaid yeah there was a there was a tesla plaid that was being bid on yeah model s plaid track package oh track package yeah it was pretty it's pretty cool the picture's taken in vegas i like that yeah right outside the luxor it looks like that's actually that oh man it's pretty cool really good looking cars anyways yeah it's hot yeah, with the red seats Damn. on on white paint. Yeah, stupid it's pretty. steering wheel. <laughs> That's the only thing I hate. That steering wheel. Yeah. I couldn't drive it. Give me a normal ass steering wheel, please. Anyways, oh. anyways, anyways, we're way off here. We've gone down the deep end, but you know we're gonna keep on the topic of of cars for this episode. So, I own an auto repair shop. And we do a lot of maintenance and we try to educate customers on maintenance and regular maintenance intervals and all the different fluids that you can change on a car and all the other wear items that you need to make sure are up to date. And I know Dan is a very, very well steeped car enthusiast that probably has his own strong opinions on car maintenance. And so I figured we could have a nice little conversation about what's opinion and what's what do we do so that you guys, the listeners, can take from our collective knowledge and apply it to your own vehicle maintenance and hopefully have a car that lasts longer and is a happier running vehicle during your ownership. So that's what I'm hoping we can accomplish with this episode. So I wanted to start with oil change intervals. And I've owned a lot of cars in my life and I have performed a number of oil changes in my life. However, I've gone through a lot of cars that I didn't own long enough to do an oil change. I've also owned some crust buckets I didn't do an oil change on. <laughs> Just because you didn't bother? Uh, I, had a, I had a Ranger that would leak like a quart and a half oil a month. So, so I, the just, point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll just dump another cord in. <laughs> Did you do the filter replacements? Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Okay. So my E46 also would go through about a quart a month, but I replaced the filter after 15,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. My, yeah, mine probably had to be in about that interval of 15K <laughs> at but least. So, 
So I have a sign in our shop here at Driven Auto Care that says, why 5,000 miles? Because we recommend to our customers and we put the little sticker in your windshield that says that your oil change interval is 5,000 miles and we want to see you back in either six months or 5,000 miles. And there's a couple of reasons for doing that outside of the oil life itself. And those reasons are, you know, if you're driving 5,000 miles, there is a potential for new safety and reliability concerns to arise on your car in that time. And it's a sufficient amount of time that it's not inconvenient. You're not coming in here every thousand miles, which you might do in a week if you go on a road trip or something, but it's not so long that you're going potentially, you know, 18 months to two years without seeing us if you don't drive your car very much. So I want to see you in at least for an inspection and what we would now like to refer to as a 5,000 mile service, which includes checking up on your maintenance planning, doing an oil and filter change, and inspecting the car for new safety and reliability concerns. So that is our 5,000 mile service that we offer to our customers. But Dan, what do you think? If if you have a car for at least 5,000 miles and it's one that you care about, those are the criteria that I think matter, would you change the oil every 5,000 or do you have a different opinion? Well, I think for me, um, it's really car dependent and manufacturer dependent because like my car, they call for 8K or no. Yeah. Eight to 10,000 on mine in like, so one oil change a year in my Audi, which to me is wild, bonkers, crazy. Um, Wait, why? Because uh, coming from the days of every shop telling you come back in three, or 3,000 for the listeners. Yep. It, it's it's pretty wild to say that like that's what they want to go to. They want to go to 10,000 or one year, uh, which is fine. It's cool. Um, I do everything early in my cars. Like I just did a, uh, a 40,000 mile maintenance checkup on a car that had 30,000 miles on it. Because <laughs> I do everything early and I do everything early because... I'm a spirited driver. I beat the living crap out of my cars. So I want to make sure that I'm ahead on my maintenance to make sure that I'm not going to blow up a $25,000 motor. So <laughs> I do everything early. When I had the Mustang, it was the same way. They always called for five. I took it in at about three to four-ish, depending on timing. Yeah. Um, but it was the same way. Uh, now, if you're just driving it to and from work, picking up your kids from school, going to get groceries... Uh, my edge, I do religiously at 5k. Yeah. I just adhere to the book. <laughs> so I will also say one other thing that, and I like this, this fact pointed out by other repair shop owners. If you are maintaining your car to manufacturer recommendations, there are two things that the manufacturer wants out of your customer behavior that is potentially contradictory to the best interests of the consumer. Those two things are, number one, they want you to think that your maintenance costs are low. So they want you to think that you only need to do oil changes every 10 to 15,000 miles on like my old BMW, 
or that your transmission fluid is a lifetime fluid, despite the fact they put a drain plug on it. Yeah, my differential <laughs> fluid in mine that everyone on the Audi forums talks about is lifetime in quotations. Yeah. So that's number one that the manufacturer thinks is the best for the consumer, but it may not be the best for the consumer. And then the second point is that a manufacturer wants you to come back and buy a new car at some point. Yeah. And although they may say that, oh, we are just releasing such good cars that if you can go out and you can afford it, that you really should go and get the next new thing because we've done so much to improve it in the last you know, three years or whatever it is. That may be the case for, you know, a new model being being released or a facelift or something that you really like. But in general, the average age of a car on the road today is 12 years old. So you don't always need the next new thing. You don't always need a new car. So nope. is everything that the manufacturer is recommending really designed to prolong the life of a car or is it designed to do just enough that it keeps going for long enough that you're not going to get destroyed by repair costs instead of maintenance costs and you're going to keep it just long enough until they're ready for you to buy a new one yeah i would in my opinion i'm not an engineer I would probably say it's somewhere in that 50-50 range of cash grab and actual preventative maintenance. Yeah. Because they can't just say, oh, lifetime engine oil, and then at 15 or 20K, turbo, <laughs> let's go. You know, right. they can't do that. Well, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, you have to define lifetime. And, <laughs> like, my Audi that has lifetime differential fluid, what's the lifetime of me owning that car is probably five to six years. It, probably doesn't need replaced by then because I'm probably not even at 100k right. on the clock. So that would make sense on why they would define it as lifetime in my opinion. Granted I'm not an engineer, I don't build cars. <laughs> Nor are you a marketer of new cars. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, so that that is I guess what we would say is and so here I'll add one more point. Engines are complicated today. No, very. And You've probably heard of VTEC. Mm -hmm. VTEC, so what it actually is, is a variable cam timing adjustment that the mm -hmm. engine can make for itself depending on how you are using your Honda engine. Yep. So if you have a Honda and you floor it, you're building oil pressure in your engine because you're creating a faster rev you're creating more revolutions, I'll put it that way, per minute in your engine than you were before you floored it. Right. So if that's the case, those revolutions are building oil pressure faster because there are more explosions happening in your engine. The speed, the heat, everything is creating a higher oil pressure. That oil pressure is feeding into a really, really fine and so it's a really, really small hole and it's a really, really finely tuned hole that only opens at a certain oil pressure and allows a certain amount of oil into this little room within the engine, put it that way, that changes the cam timing of your engine and releases more power from the engine. Yep. 
Okay, so that's if why you, if you knew that your engine had this really, really, really tight tolerance for engine oil performing that level of complex mechanism within your engine so that it performs at its most optimal wouldn't you want like fresh fluid doing that and not contaminated and dirty and worn out fluid thinned that's out gone fluid through a million fluid. heat cycles and doesn't have the same heat tolerances that it had before i don't want that give me the freshie right <laughs> so that's what i try to tell our, our customers and and we have this in that Y5K sign that we have in our lobby, one of the points that we have in there is the most common cause of premature engine failure is long oil change intervals. Oh, yeah. So 5,000 is what we say. Yeah. And yeah, if it's a performance car, we may go down on that, but typically we don't see too many performance cars, <laughs> so it's 5K. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, fun fact, Coyotes have VTEC, technically. They have a, it, it's not called VTech, right? It's not called VTech, but it's the same concept. It's all <laughs> variable, variable timing, timing which, yeah. which is why a five liter motor takes eight quarts. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's well, crazy. My, and my three liter BMW with Vanos, which is the same thing, uh, takes seven and a half quarts. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because, you know, it's, it's got to push a lot of oil. Mm hmm. A lot of different little cavities and crevices and passages for it to end up in yeah rightfully so not you know by design <laughs> <laughs> not in the in the combustion chamber please <laughs> <laughs> all right number two point number two here what do you think about fluid flushes versus fluid drain and fills i think you should describe the difference here or define the difference between the two Drain and fill. So transmission is a great example of this. Transmissions have a drain plug and a fill plug on them. Mm -hmm. The drain plug is usually right on the bottom of the transmission or it's, it is removing the transmission pan. It's how you drain the transmission. So you are creating a hole in the bottom of a vessel that is holding a fluid and you're letting the fluid drain out, and then you're replugging the hole, and then you're filling that vessel back up again with, ideally, the same fluid. <laughs> That's a drain and fill. A flush says that you are hooking up a machine to both the drain and the fill, and you're going to pump fluid through the transmission into the fill and out of the drain, repeatedly with force for let's call it two or three cycles and then you're going to leave in there the amount of fluid that you took out in the first place so both of them get fresh fluid yes but in different ways um I don't know. It, it For me, my opinion, I don't think one really matters versus the other. I would assume a drain and fill is probably your better bet because it gets rid of everything. Uh, and a flush will get rid of everything also. Yeah. I, Except I, a fl flush, a flush, you could say, would get rid of more, really. Yeah, you would think, for sure. I, I would also assume that a flush is going to be faster and cheaper for a shop. 
No, other way around. Is it really the other way around? Because one takes a big machine, the other one takes uh, way less time. Okay. Yeah, see, these are things I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, good. We're, we're educating you, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. At my shops always said they're doing flushes. I'm like, okay, sure. But if they said they were doing a drain and fill, I would assume it would be the same thing. Pretty much. So we do drain and fills. We don't really do much in the way of flushes. Yeah. The only time we would is if, let's say, your brake fluid got contaminated or you wanted to change what type of brake fluid you had in the car or what type of coolant you had in the car. You would flush the whole system out so that you can put fresh fluid in the whole thing because otherwise you're not going to be replacing all of it. You're more like refreshing the life of the fluid. Right. You're getting 90% of the fluid out, not 100%. With a flush, you're getting 100% out but you're using force, you're hooking up a big machine and it takes longer, you're using more fluid. And also you're depending on the machine to get the level right, not a person. That definitely helps. Yeah. So we aim for drain and fills. And the other reason for it is there are some systems like your power steering system that have really, really, really fragile filters in them. So like in the bottom of your power steering reservoir, there's typically a tiny little filter. That'll get ripped out by a lot of flush machines. Oh. Because a machine is not tested on every single type of car, but if you have a certain type of car that has a certain type of fragile filter in it, I would rather just use gravity, not a machine that's pressurized to get the fluid through that Yeah, I could see how that would uh, be a problem. Yeah. All right, educate, education on that one. Point number three. (laughs) So do you do any of your own work anymore on your cars? Um, I did on the Mustang. I would not on the Audi, uh, but that's pretty specifically because I don't have a lot of the tools that that (laughs) damn car takes uh at least with the mustang it was easy like i i need brakes probably by spring and i'm not gonna touch it Mm -hmm. i just i won't i'll have someone that knows what they're doing to it but like the edge easy peasy stuff you'll do it yeah if it ever needs it (laughs) by the time we want to get rid of it gotcha gotcha but yeah yeah, all that like tire rotations, easy peasy. If you got got a jack and an impact, easy peasy. Yeah, brakes on that thing are easy. You can go rent the dang brake caliper, uh, twisty tool from AutoZone. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Uh, oil changes are easy. It's just a paper filter and then oil, which is normal conventional basic oil. <laughs> Nothing special about it. Air filter, same same thing. Pretty simple stuff. stuff. Yeah. And do you feel like it is worth the trade-off of time and money to do it? Um, yes. It is specifically if you have an older vehicle. Like like in my case, we buy everything new and you know, we, we get a service package with it mostly because we know the deal dealer, we're already getting a deal on it. We might as well just add it. Um for convenience sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if I had 
a vehicle that I just owned outright, I wouldn't take it to a shop. It's like, it's like, why? <laughs> you might as well just do it yourself for the basic stuff. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So my experience is that I suck at working on cars. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me, I'll do a tire rotation. I, I can get through that without hurting anything, but you want me to change oil. I might strip the drain plug. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty bad with cars. When it yeah, comes down I, to I it. used to be, I got really handy when I was building yeah. the Mustang, but that's yeah. because I wanted to turn the, the wrench. Yeah. And that was me with my E46 and I never stripped the drain plug on that car. But if you give me any level of difficulty on a car, I'm going to break something. That's usually how it goes for me. Yeah. My, my worst was, uh, snapping a uh, intake bolt into the top of the motor yikes yeah it's really small bolt on the top of a coyote that you know it's just eight bolts along the edge of the uh, intake manifold and uh dan did the one too many turns on it thinking it wasn't tight enough and that sucker snapped oh. right in the top of the head oh. <laughs> and i was like oh no how am i getting this thing out and um I managed to do it without breaking anything else. That's got good. A, got a, got a two little thin screwdrivers and it's slowly twisted at it and it came out. I'm gonna forget. Oh, I remembered. Okay, so do you know what a triple square is? Mm-mm. Maybe so you probably have a lot of triple square bolts on your Audi. Oh, probably. So it's a head. It's the head of a bolt, and it's it's basically a twelve point Torx. Okay. So it's a it's a very fine toothed bolt head that you need really really good fitment for in order to not strip the bolt. Oh, I yeah, okay, I have one of these. I have a set for this. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> when I did the water pump on my project Passat W8, not the one I currently have, but the one I ended up robbing all the parts off of because I destroyed it. Well, I destroyed it because I stripped all of the triple square bolts oh. on the water pump when oh, I was trying no. to replace the water pump. And so I think it was two days of dremeling and using an impact with a giant flathead bit on it and a pry bar. I got the water pump off, but I didn't have the right sort of puller or slide hammer oh, or anything, no. nor did I have any space to do that kind of work. And so a, a pry bar and screwdrivers is how I got the water pump out. And you can kind of guess what happened <laughs> to the block when I did uh, that. It had to look pretty cool. It was it was gnarly. Hardened steel versus aluminum. I bet it looked good. <laughs> I bet it didn't. I bet it looked like I attacked it with a screwdriver. <laughs> oh, wait, I did. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah so, no, I had to buy a triple square set when I did the exhaust on the Audi. Because there there's, there's a stupid tray with four bolts like underneath it's like i don't know if it's like a support tray or a windage tray whatever it is it's just there for fun it's just there and <laughs> yeah it's there for a good time <laughs> yeah but yeah so um i i don't work on my own stuff because that i understand that I, was I, the there, last thing i did on a car actually <laughs> i i understand there are some things i wouldn't want to touch to yeah is that thought no i installed my air filter on my e46 and a, did a turn signal bulb. Oof. Yeah, I'll be I'll be removing oh. mine in the spring to clean it. <laughs> All right. 
let's move to car washing and detailing. Are you are you really picky? Would you say about the process of washing a car? Um, sometimes depends what I have going on during the week and where I'm taking the car. Okay. Um. This time of year, I am lazy as shit when it comes to washing my car. So and what, I, it, what does that it, look like? Um, I just take it to an automatic, touchless car wash, and yeah. I wash it. It and like it does I don't a decent job. It does it enough to where I don't cringe at it because I know, like yeah. for for me, I, I'm in the Midwest. It snows. We already have Brian on the on the streets here, um, so it doesn't stay clean and long anyway. Right. So I don't really have like a pickiness to it. Now I I will do a full blown detail twice a year. Okay. Like, I've got a guy that does it, and, and I tell him like, "Look, this is what I want," and he does it. He takes it for a whole day and does his magic and gives it back. <laughs> um, and then like during from spring to late fall, I will physically take it to a wash or do it in my driveway and hand wash. Do you care about what soap you're using on it? Um, I really like my chemical guys stuff mm. specifically. Um, that's what I have at home. Um, otherwise the, the touch list car washes here with the guns and stuff, they're pretty good. They're this terrible. Is, so that's something that has gotten me a little nervous is the chemicals used by the touchless car wash that's near me. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a pretty, it's like 10 bucks. It's really cheap to get yeah. a car wash. So I can't imagine it's like any sort of high quality soap it's really not and one of the the better detailers here described that stuff to me like you know the tricolor foam stuff yeah yeah he actually said it's it's actually long term not great because it contains a lot of sugar oh it it, for the smell (laughs) it's for the smell yeah Uh, and he he goes for the for the paint and the crevices and stuff that like long term that's why like it gets dirtier faster because like it's still kind of a sticky substance hmm. as it dries interesting like like do a test on it go take you know some soap any soap and just let it sit out like on a counter it gets tacky yeah yeah well so and and my thing with this and i know you've done this too like i have uh so my truck is the main one that I've taken through the touchless car wash just because, yeah, I'm lazy and I don't want to wash this gigantic thing. <laughs> right. So I take it through there. But I got that truck paint corrected and ceramic coated when I got it. And I know, although technically the life of the ceramic coating is two years, that every time I run it through there, it's probably cutting, you know, four or five months off of the life uh, of A hundred percent. And... As someone who spent a lot of time around some detail shops, um, ceramic coating is great. It, it's a it's a great product. I, I especially if you're paying the big money for like your seven to ten year coatings. Sure. Yeah. But like that stuff is solvent based. It's applied in a very specific way. And it will you get that amount of time out of it? No, probably not. Uh, your one to two years are probably more water based, and you definitely won't get the length. Uh, but if you're not keeping up on it, doing like a ceramic coating, you know, wash. A pl- yeah, like a maintenance wash with ceramic soaps and quick wash and stuff like that, you're not going to keep it long term. Right. Um, but it doesn't do what Clear Bra does, in my opinion. But do you and do you have ceramic coated Clear Bra? I do. Yeah, same. 
But yeah. that car, that's my M3. I will never, ever, ever take that through a touchless wash. No. That one I'll I, hand, I'll do pH balanced soap and all. This I paper. understand. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> and, uh, no, nah, and, and for the listeners, stay away from touch washes. Just, especially if you have a dark colored car. If, if you just, <laughs> just think about what they're doing. Like, I'm going to take a welcome mat and slap your fucking paint around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may tell you those happens. bristles are soft, but uh, just remember the person in front of you has rocks on their cars and they stick in those. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Welcome mat. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, but man. yeah, that's my opinion on car washing. I, I do it to the best of my abilities and I have my car detailed by professionals Yeah, when I really want a deep clean. Yeah. And if I had a good shop here that I felt I could go to, I'd probably do that too. I've got way too many here and I don't know how to give them all my business. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get more cars. Go back and listen to the episode where we talked about building yeah, right. a fleet in which we used you as an example. <laughs> well, in, in a friend of mine, you know, he he's my main guy. And every, like last time I dropped it off, I, I go, hey, you know, make sure you charge me accordingly. Because he's a good friend and I, he doesn't charge enough. Hmm. And uh, I go and pick it up and the next day and he goes, yeah, it's going to be 150 bucks. And I'm looking at my car. It's pristine. I'm like, Shane, how much time did you right. spend on my car? And, and he goes, ah, a little bit last night, most of the day. I was kind of on and off some projects. I'm like, I'm not giving you what you just told me, just so you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, you can charge me more. He goes, oh, I just love working on the car. It's beautiful. You know, he goes, oh, I want you to enjoy it. I'm like, but I want to pay you, homie. Shane? <laughs> Yeah. Did Shane listen to this? I maybe, should. maybe not. Shane, charge more. Charge me more. Me. But also, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Char- even your friends are the people who should support your business the most. And that's what I tell him. Like, dude, I yeah. want to support what you're doing. Yeah. So But he's very good. He's very meticulous. And yeah. and I appreciate him d- immensely. So let's make this a, a pro- proper value exchange for for both of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right. usually slide him another couple hundred bucks on top of what he sells me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, and then I yell at him. And then you yell at him. You pay him extra, and then you yell at him. Yeah, I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's there's one more here that I want to cover today. EV maintenance. I don't know anything about this. All right, let me do some education. Yeah. So. Tires. Okay. Tires wear out very quickly. And why is that? Is that because torque and weight? Okay. That that makes sense. Yeah. So our Tesla Model 3. And do do the motors spin each wheel independently? Like how I don't know how they work. I don't know. (laughs) I should know that, but I don't I'm assuming (laughs) it's some sort of intelligence system that it must that. be for traction control and that kind of thing. It yeah. must be the equivalent of a of a limited slip diff. You gotta or, be. Yeah. I'm gonna Google it later. All right. So regardless of that, we have twelve thousand miles on our model three and we've done one tire rotation. And the tires are 
ridiculously worn after the 10,000 that we drove. We're, you're supposed to rotate all five. season tire, right? Just a normal yeah. all season tire. Yeah. Not, not a normal. sport performance, like no. 200 tread wear kind of thing. Nope. Okay. Michelin, Michelin somethings. Yeah. Primacy all seasons, I think. Yeah. Something like that. I think they probably are designed to last for like 40. Yeah. And we're going to get 25 out of them. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I'm at 32 on the Audi and I'm getting kind of close. <laughs> yeah. And I race my car. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and Heather's right, at so- like 42 and she's getting kind of close. 42. Yeah. All right. So, so that's point number one. Okay. Uh, point number two, oil changes. Okay. So, you losing motor, me. The the motors have oil in them. Okay, so they do take oil. Got it. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know more about it than that, so we're gonna leave it at that. But uh, I yeah. Do know well, they have it, oil. and like my care for EV has been so low, I just never really cared to look into what the maintenance would be and. I had always wondered, I'm like, I wonder what the maintenance is on the electric motor. Right. Because it's not lifetime. So there are examples though, like some of these early Model S's, there are a couple that have like a million kilometers on them with very, very little in the way of maintenance. Yeah. So there is an argument that they take less maintenance than. And that's what I usually see when I read the articles about maintenance and EVs. Coolant. They yeah. have cooling systems that, that makes sense. cool all of the electric components that are getting ready to explode at all times. So do you have needed. to change that more often than a normal gas power vehicle? Uh, so you would think about it in terms of like what can it cross-contaminate with? Yeah. Much less is the answer. Okay. Because the the radiators aren't designed in the same way right yeah so there's no like grill that you're exposing your coolant to that it can get into and then there's no you know potential small head gasket leak that's (laughs) right yeah or anything like that so it's it has a longer life uh and then brake fluid and brakes and both of those make a lot of sense but because of regenerative kinetic energy charging this is where it gets complicated (laughs) yeah brakes brakes last a lot longer yeah um so where you might see 30 to 40k on your brake pads regen braking is the weirdest feeling ever in a tesla you get used to it i i couldn't do it when when i was driving the s i just could not like it was bothering me (laughs) (laughs) well and it's annoying like if you have a blister on your heel or your Achilles for some reason, it's actually very hard to drive one of those cars comfortably. I yeah, because you always have to have your foot on the throttle. Right. So if you are hurting as you do that, you're gonna be hurting the whole time. There's no ability to coast. Uh, yeah, unless it's in autopilot mode. <laughs> yeah, unless you put on cruise control or your um you you turn off the setting for kinetic regenerative. Interesting. Braking. Yeah. Interesting. Regen. That's the word you used. I like that. So I think, I mean, that's all the topics that I think I wanted to go over today. And there's a little bit of education, a little bit of ceramic coating conversation and 
oil change intervals and hopefully i guessed right on that stupid pajero thing (laughs) (laughs) and even though uh we didn't make it to uh you know three of our points we did actually cover two of them kind of just talking (laughs) the fails and the wins (laughs) yeah one and so the the wins one that i wanted to cover is not yet done i can't Uh. actually cover it today it was the, I don't think I've actually talked about it on the podcast, but I've talked about it on the YouTube channel. So if you're interested in hearing about some of my car maintenance wins recently, you can go to Driven Diary on YouTube and see where I have detailed a car flipping adventure that I'm having with two uh, Dodge Ram 1500s from the early 2000s that I bought not running, got running, and will sell for massive, massive profit. <laughs> Anything else, Dan? Um, I'll just keep this short and sweet because it's one thing on the list, and I think it's important. Keep a small tool bag in your trunk, car, wherever, of just basic hand tools and anything to take your wheels off and maybe some jumper cables. You never know when you're going to need it. Or a jump pack. Yeah, something of that. Uh, And then like a funnel for gas. Oh, that's a good one. Because a lot of these cars have very specific filler necks that you have to have Mm. a dumb funnel for. You can't just... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just keeping it short and sweet, keep some tools in your car for some... You may have to save someone or save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then put it in a place where it's secure. Yep. Mine's in my trunk. Your tire iron doesn't fly and hit you in the head. (laughs) All right. Well... That's all we got for today. So there are a few ways that you can find more about We Are Driven on the internet. And one of those ways is the podcast, which you've just enjoyed. The other way is the YouTube that I just talked about. And then one more way is on our Discord channel, which has a couple of different areas to it. We have a 4 a.m. motivational message that goes out every day written by me every single morning within a varying amount of time windows, depending on what time zone I'm in. But nevertheless, get you some fire to start off your day. And we have a separate private group area to the Discord where we amass all of the most driven people in our communities to discuss the pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars, help hold each other accountable to our big goals, and generally share in our successes and our failures and exchange advice and tools along the way to our pursuit of success. And if you want to talk to us directly, interact with us at all on the internet, you can find me at Arun D. Kumar on Instagram or Arun Kumar on LinkedIn and Facebook. And Dan will tell you where he can, where you can find him. I am Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's where I will uh, be the most attentive and, be able to answer any sort of questions that come my way. And then uh, Instagram, I'm Dan underscore LaRue. And I'm not mentioning any other social medias until I use them. <laughs> smart. Very smart. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for today. So thanks for joining us. This has been Arun and Dan. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, stay driven. <laughs>